0: Hello and welcome back to episode four of the X Curse. And today I am joined by Joe. Joe Kelly, how are you doing, sir? Hello. Uh, Yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah, excellent.
1: Nice day so far.
0: Excellent. And I I turned your audio on this time, so we're off to a better start already. (laughs) (laughs) So, Joe, your your like list of uh, the list of things you do is uh, is is kind of endless. Um so obviously voice acting, uh an on-screen actor, you're a filmmaker, uh you're a musician, uh and uh, of course you have uh, your your new um audio series coming out soon Analine City which uh, obviously can't wait to talk about too. Um but uh, and you've also just seen a, a film that I'm very curious about. I've heard I've heard mixed things, so I'm curious to get your your opinion um, on uh, Welcome to Raccoon City. Um, <laughs> but I guess uh, to to start with, I guess let's just start with um voice acting. I mean, you've been sure. voice acting for how long now? Is it was it a lifelong passion to to do voice acting, or did no, you fall I into
1: mean, it? I, I kind of fell into it. Well, well I, I think if I'd known it was the possibility of a job when I was younger, I would have been like, yes, I want to do that, that sounds great. But it just wasn't kind of on my radar. It's not something that that people tend to talk about. People tend to talk about acting. and um, Because, I mean, voice acting is acting, first and foremost. That's the the big part of the skill. But um, obviously there are nuances within that and differences between screen acting, stage acting, and voice acting. And there's a few others as well. Um, But no, I, I, I started out when i was very young uh friends of mine started messing around with camcorders you know the dv mini dv tapes you know yep. slotting those yep. in and and creating films in that way and um so you know we would just mess around and try and film our own things and you know we we were editing by having two vcr players and sort of playing on one and recording on the other and you know having to 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 make scenes that way uh and obviously they were terrible but fun uh and it just sort of progressed onwards from there. And it was initially, it was stuff behind the camera. It was, Oh, I'll help you carry your stuff or I'll hold the camera whilst you're setting up the lighting. And then it was, Oh, well I can do, I I've watched somebody do this on the lighting so I can do a bit of lighting and Oh, I can do some boom work. And last time I did boom work, I I then, you know, Oh yeah, I could see how somebody was recording the audio so I can do that. And yeah, Mm -hmm. you just slowly start doing more and more. And it got to the point where it was, oh, we don't have an actor for this scene. Do you want to step in front of the camera? Yeah, sure. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not doing anything else and enjoying acting. And I did drama in school uh, for a while and, and was in sort of school plays and things like that. I enjoyed myself every time when I did it, but um, wasn't ever a fan of stage work, um, right. sort of theatre work mm-hmm. uh, and drama and stuff, which is pretty much all they teach you in school. They don't really teach you acting per se. Or, yeah, I or, always or remember it being drama. very
0: focused that way.
1: Yeah because it, it, i mean obviously to be part of school it's usually oh well we're we gonna do shakespeare or we're gonna yeah. do this and it's, yeah sure uh which was just didn't appeal to me um but when it was starting to step in front of the camera as a teenager in, in, in these films i was like this is fun i enjoy this mm. um, but uh to me looking the way i did i didn't see you know it's like i'm not going to get the leading man role and you know i'm not going to get uh you know, the, the romantic lead or uh, you know, or right. or, or, okay. or or even the uh, uh sort of lead villain in, mm-hmm. in a role or anything like that. It was always gonna be um uh, uh sort of ancillary roles. Not that there's anything wrong with that, um, but it just the limitations were there. Uh when the opportunity came up for a voice acting role, I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And um it was on a series called Supermarket Matters where uh it's about a large uh, chain supermarket coming to small town Wales, uh and uh sort of the trials and tribulations of the staff there and, and what happens concerning it. And the doors of the supermarket were fitted with an AI learning chip and I became the voice of the doors. And it, it was <laughs> Amazing. It was such a fun role, you know, the The local kids teach it how to swear, and <laughs> it starts to, to have glitches in the system as squirrels are chewing on the wires and stuff. So the role itself ended up being this wild role anyway, and, and after a couple of episodes it became a a character that a lot of the people listening to it really enjoyed. So they wrote it into a bigger role, and it became bigger, and it went on for a couple of seasons, and we did some Christmas and New Year specials as well, and... I just had a blast. They did a lot with the character, which meant that I got to have fun with it and be silly. And uh, the 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 doors get shut down and be, get rebooted and become a child that goes through teething and okay, and adulthood, and then becomes an old man door nice. and things like that. You know, the, the the teenage door gets a crush on the automatic checkouts and <laughs> It, it, it's a great series. It was really fun. It was a fantastic cast, crew, and writing uh, that was going on with that. And it was—I was spoiled really because it was just such a lovely way to suddenly go. This is what voice acting is, and uh, I fell in love with it. Absolutely fell in love with it. And and from that point onwards, it was like, when can I do more of this? Yeah. How can I find more of this? And then I just started getting in front of our microphone. I was already a singer, so voice work and microphone work and studio work—you were kind of comfortable that way. with that it was something that I was already used to, used to doing. I mean, this mm-hmm. time I was getting to, to talk to myself for a living. So that was like, this is great. Um, and I started doing it little by little, just little part-time stuff. And, you know, it would be after my day job, I'd go home, do some voice acting and then have dinner and relax. Um, and it would just sort of did that every day, every day, every day, and a little bit more at the weekends, a little bit more at the weekends. And it started to pay. And I was like, oh, there's money in this. This is nice. You know, I've, it's an extra beer down the pub or it's, you know, it's a... It's yeah, a it's it's
0: nice, like, extra on top of your 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 day job. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then it was sort of like, well, hang on a second. I, from these jobs, I've now it's enough that I can get a better microphone and mm-hmm. I can get better equipment and then I got started getting better jobs. And then uh, my day job came to an end. Um, the owner of the company passed away. The Our subsequent owner then sold the business and I was without a job. And I was like, well, I can either be upset about being without a job or I can take my um, end of work sort of severance pay and go, well, this is an opportunity. I can give this a go full time. And I did. And I am still a full time voice actor. So fantastic. uh, Yeah. Doing doing something right, as it were. So, yeah, it's led on to doing audiobooks with Audible. Um, I do commercial work, corporate work, uh, animations, video games, uh, audio dramas and kind of everything in between, really. It's it's turned into a really varied job role. I I was going to say
0: that your uh, your uh, your your, like list of 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 roles is is massive. I mean, is it Joe Kelly dot info? I think Uh, uh, J.D. J.D. Um, yeah, and
1: as a, as a stage name, I go by J.D. Kelly.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and I, I noticed like just going through that list, I was like, wow. You know, I mean, like you said, audio books, you've done like some historical stuff. Um, yeah. Loads of video games, which obviously close to my heart um, and some video game documentaries, which I'd, I'd love to hear. I'd love to listen to those like 101 Amazing Facts ones. Uh, those sound really interesting. I never knew you did those. So, um, yeah, it's really varied. And it's kind of interesting that, I've always wondered how you kind of take that plunge to go from like, I'm enjoying doing this as some extra cash to I want to do this professionally. Um, And, it, and it's interesting that I guess lucky for you or luckily for you in the, in the long run, your, your old job kind of forced your hand or at least gave you the opportunity to be like, let's start.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd already been thinking like if you can save up enough money uh, so that you've got a buffer. That's the important thing because mm-hmm. obviously in a job like job like voice acting, you're going from contract to contract, and your pay isn't regular. It, it's uh, it, it's really um, erratic. Like you know you'll you'll get paid sometimes a week after you've done a job. Sometimes it'll be three months after a job, and you need to be able to. Um, if you do the work in, in month one and aren't getting paid until month four, three months later, you've got money to eat into and then you get paid to replenish that, that buffer. So, uh, you know, whenever somebody is thinking of making that plunge, I tend to recommend that they have an amount of buffer money to where's my rent check coming from. Mm-hmm. How can I pay my rent or my mortgage or whatever or, you know, whatever payments, your phone payments or Internet, yeah. so on, and so forth. You know, everybody's got uh, things coming out of their account. And if you don't have the money in the account, then you're in trouble. So having that kind of buffer in your account or in a second account or whatever yeah, uh, me- means you've got that ability to be flexible on your pay dates and do work and get paid and and that's that's part of the tricky scenario of being self-employed in a job where it's contract to contract basis you know it's, it's yeah so i it guess has, has that trick,
0: and I, and I guess the the redundancy money kind of gave you a slight buffer did it enough so that you felt like i can give this a shot
1: yeah, I'd already saved up some already, and then the redundancy money then allowed me to go right. Well, I've got that buffer now that I was saying to myself I need it before taking a plunge, and I've also got the opportunity. Yeah, and basically it was like my buffer is going to last for, you know, several months. That's how much time I have to make this work. Yeah. And if I don't, I'll need to get another job and keep doing it part-time and try again later. But um, I was lucky that it worked out and I worked hard enough and got the right jobs. And Absolutely. I mean, I already, because I'd been doing it part-time for for several years anyway, I already had contracts. I already had regular clients. I already had the opportunity and the, con- uh, the ability there. It just suddenly meant that I could do much more of it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Do you think... Uh, in hindsight, you would have ultimately taken the plunge anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it I was, was, I was you were working towards,
1: yeah. but uh, I mean, at the time, I was in a very stable nine to five job that it's hard to give was, that up. Yeah, and I was treated really, really well there. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, uh, it was a great job to be in, and it was like I could have stayed in that job for a, a very long time. And and I was also at the time thinking, right, well, I can stay in this job and. You know keep a regular income whilst doing the voice acting on the side and i can look at getting something like a mortgage or a house or whatever yeah and then take that plunge and it just didn't work out in that way thankfully voice acting worked enough that i now have a mortgage you know yeah, I now have a place, but, yeah yeah. Uh, you know and i was very lucky in in that way or arguably it wasn't lucky it was that i worked hard enough well to, it's to, yes to it the the
0: the, <laughs> the work must have been pretty uh, pretty intense um to, to to kind of get to that place and like you said you, you built those contacts by then um you know mm. so you had something to start from um yeah sorry, i don't want to make it sound like it's all luck obviously it's it's not luck it's uh, no, it's, no, it's, no. it know. was me saying it <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. And um, do you have, like, I'm really curious because obviously you have an acting background, which I didn't realize that you, you kind of started from an acting background. Um, so did like accents and, and different tones in your voice, did that come naturally to you or is that something you've had to really work
1: at? Uh, kind of, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. But not through a, a normal means, I suppose. Uh, I suppose part of it is I fell in love with my voice at young age because when I was very, very small, I had uh problems with my ear canals and I had sort of uh what's called glue ear right. multiple times and uh I had to have uh surgery to have grommets fitted in the ear, which are like little tubes to to change how the ear works. Um so I had surgery on right. the ears at a very very young age. So very young, I couldn't hear properly for quite a while. I was about eighty percent deaf in one ear, uh, due to repeated infections and glue ears and things and uh uh, after that, kind of, kind of got cleared up due to the, the things like the grommets and surgical intervention. My parents tell me I suddenly realized I had a voice and then wouldn't shut up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's like you were you were you were devoid of
0: it for so long that once you finally had it, you were like, right, that's yeah,
1: pretty, pretty much. So they they would catch me talking to myself, singing to myself, and kind of doing whatever from a very very young age. In addition to that, before I even turned. Uh, uh, one years old, we moved to australia we I was born in England, but we mm. moved to Australia and lived there for several years uh and I developed a very thick Australian accent uh as my first accent right we then came came back to the u k uh, to England and i uh gradually over about four or five years built an English accent back and had my natural english accent right then we moved to then we moved as a family to America and I developed an American accent because we were there for about three four years as well. Uh, And then I came back to England. So through all these like formative years, I was used to changing my accent from place to place to place.
0: Interesting.
1: Um, And it it meant then that whenever I spoke to someone from Australia, my Australian accent started coming back. Whenever I spoke to someone from America, my American accent started coming back. And and then it was like, well, hang on, I. And it happens when I get drunk as well. (laughs) But then I I realized, well, hang on a second, I can do this when I want to do this. And it gave me a good ear for accents uh, and a good foundation for accents. I had friends who were Scottish, so I started to mimic them just to have fun and, you know, just messing around with friends, really. And uh, the same with American accents and things. And It was just something that I always did was silly voices and accents and just messing around with friends down the pub and, you know, telling stories and things like that. And it was just something that I enjoyed doing I didn't even really think about it. It was just something I did. It's it's kind uh, of funny
0: that yeah yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess that probably in a way led into your voice roles anyway, but it's kind of mm. interesting that you were, you were almost learning how to do your job before you even knew you wanted to do your job. You were kind of halfway there already, right?
1: Before I even realized it was a job. That yeah. was the thing. If, like I said, if I, if I'd known about it when I was younger, I would have gotten involved in it much sooner. It would have been such a, oh, that's a really cool thing. I want to do that. Um, but, uh, Yeah. So when I started looking into doing acting and then voice acting as well, I started looking into it more and doing research about well, how do actors have different voices? You know, Mm. how do you develop an accent and then how do you switch from one accent to another? It's uh, And it's things like having lead phrases where, you you know, you, you have a phrase that you say in a specific accent. And when you're initially starting to learn an accent, you start you say that phrase out loud and that helps you switch from one accent to the other mentally. Uh, And eventually, after you've done it enough times, uh, you can just sort of say it in your head and then you start speaking in another accent. So you can have someone speaking in an English accent and then in their head, they can have that lead phrase and it can lead into the other accent. And then in theory, you go on from there to the point where you just know how to switch from one to the other. So it's yeah. a gradual process uh, of learning, uh, kind of, kind of like learning to switch into another character or yeah. something like that.
0: So. That's really interesting because I've never, I've, I'm not an accent person. I've never been able to do that kind of thing. So it kind of fascinates me when people are able to do it. Um, and it's interesting that now you just, you just hear it in your head. You can just say the, you know, say those phrases that that kind of get you into that frame of mind in your head and switch that, uh, that switch. It's really interesting. Have you had any like? Um, any favorite roles over the years because you you've done a lot of video game work and 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 whatnot do you have and do you have a preference for the type of work you do i mean it's quite broad you know voice acting you know
1: well i i love video games and 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 animation comes in with that as well kind of character roles yeah um that's certainly where the passion is because it's the greatest opportunity for storytelling and that's the big thing it's like giving people uh uh, you know one part of the puzzle to immersing them into a world or a story or or a scenario and um that's that's kind of the joy for me and and again, it was like screen acting was fun, and i like I still do acting in front of the camera and I yep. still enjoy it, but it's limiting mm. when i as a screen actor, I'm very limited by how I look uh whereas as a voice actor, I can play a seven foot tall minotaur or a two foot tall gnome you know it and everything in between it's mm. the, i can be the leading man or the the villain or or the love interest or 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 whatever kind of i can turn my voice to which is yeah far you're, more you're,
0: you're only limited by your range as a voice actor which is yeah which mm. i guess is potentially endless that's yeah that's interesting i never really yeah. thought about it like that that's really interesting um, so
1: it's it's a much bigger sandbox to play in you know it's just, it's just a much bigger world to find roles and you know explore different worlds and you know things like doing on-screen science fiction has to come with Mm. everything that that comes with you know in terms of effects and sets and so on and so forth but video games you're already building something that is visual whether it's real life or science fiction or whatever so uh, that that's a given that's just part of the, the process so um you know, you, it's easier to find more varied roles within that rather than there being a few science fiction films, but mainly real-life films because that's much easier to film. Um, so that, again, it takes away those limitations jobs-wise as well. Hmm. Um, part of the reason I love the job is that it is so varied and that I do get to play different things. I really like... Recently, I did a, a game called Spectacular Sparky uh, where I I, I think play... I saw you
0: posting about that on Instagram not so long ago, actually. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's it's been released on Steam and on Switch, uh, Nintendo Switch as Mm -hmm. well, and it's gone down really really well. Uh, And it's sort of a love letter to games like Contra and Sonic the Hedgehog. It's a side-scrolling sort of character shoot 'em up platformer, um, and it's full of
0: '90s attitude. (laughs) Completely, (laughs) yeah, yeah, excellent.
1: The lead character Sparky is a uh, a a space bunny who is also a bounty hunter and it sounds uh, like
0: uh jazz jackrabbit a little a
1: little bit yeah, yeah there's there's been those comparisons made and certainly in that kind of way and it's, it's in that vein mm-hmm. uh and i play the uh sort of mission giver if you like so between every uh world that he goes to or bounty that he's going to be collecting my character gives him the this is who you're after this is you know for the bounty and this is some backstory about what they're like and yeah. and the banter between the characters and and he's a uh he's a shark pig <laughs> uh so i think uh uh is it bebop or rocksteady who's the um warthog uh, you in, know i always always I get confused between the two myself yeah
0: I, I, think think I think you're right
1: yeah i think rocksteady's
0: the rhino right i think you're right
1: Think so. Uh, so i think it's it's so imagine bebop crossed with a shark amazing and then you're in a rough ballpark so he's an ex-military man who was then in a biker gang and is now leading a mercenary guild and is giving sparky <laughs> his his and he talks like this hey there little sparky boy and it's this <laughs> great sort of uh sort of slight southern american uh gravelly voice of this this uh big muscly shark pig in space it sounds it, it's great. ridiculous but it's so it was such a fun role and uh going uh, rather than recording it here uh, i did some mm. of the lines here and some of them in a st- local studio um where the uh director who's also the lead developer for the game was there on site and we had the script and the scripts were fantastic yeah but we also were given a lot of license to ad-lib and have fun with it and uh, a lot of the other actors were there as well so it was a real collaborative fun atmosphere Mm. Uh, so i i love it for the role but i also love it for the actual recording experience was really joyful and really fun and and just we had a blast doing it um so that's certainly a favorite um i also did one recently called um i think it's called medieval dominion uh, i'd need to double check that uh, oh, right. but uh, it's it's like a an rts um oh, cool. so uh, in the vein of the original warhammer game that oh, kind of oh great thing. yeah so, yeah lots of selecting your troops and telling them where mm-hmm. to go um but that one was fun because i was voicing so many characters so it's you know skeletons and wraiths and mm. goblins and and things like that and it was lo- really fun because they did things like rather than the skeletons just making bone noises or, ah, you know, you know yeah. uh, voiceless characters to a degree. Instead, they were properly like, ah, ha, 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 and really like these excited skeletons in the vein of like, you know, Army of Darkness, and Evil Dead 3, and, yeah. and things like that. So really manic sort of wild <laughs> stuff. and uh, But yeah, we got to do wra- wraiths and goblins and ogres and stuff. And it was just really, it was a day of playing. Just got to go no, crazy like, and, yeah. Yeah, because it's not like lines of dialogue instead it was you know it's when you click on a unit and they're sort of like raw, 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 raw. And, and then you tell them where to go it's like raw, 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 raw. And, you know it's yeah. just these kind of like verbalizations i suppose rather than lines of dialogue as it were mm. um lots of roaring and growling and snarling and stuff and so it's just a fun day in a studio <laughs> of making stupid noises you know and it's and it's like it makes you feel like a kid again it just makes you feel like you're playing but you're getting paid to play in a Mm -hmm. glorious way um so that's been really fun i really enjoyed doing that that was a fantastic day in the studio that does sound Um, like a lot of fun i must admit and let uh yeah it is it's medieval dominion medieval dominion yeah Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun it's it's in the process of being developed at the moment, so it's uh, oh. yeah, it's it's really cool. Uh, do what you... else? Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, no, no,
0: no. C- continue, please.
1: <laughs> I was going to say I, I, I've also enjoyed uh, this uh, uh, team working on uh, an, a, a remake of Dark Forces. I which know is Star- this Star is a game. I was I looking it.
0: forward to talking to you about this actually, because uh, <laughs> one of my favourite games of all time. I can see you got it in the background there. The original Dark Forces. Carl Katarn. Yeah the uh, the original badass who stole the Death Star plans in like a minute. <laughs> I yeah, don't know why it took them like, half of Rogue One to do it because he did it in five minutes.
1: Well, if you if you read the uh, comic books, there's way more backstory to the. Um, I actually have the, the audio books. So. Mm. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've got the audio books um, yeah, of uh, of that. There's there's like a a, a nearby town mm-hmm. that's being. Bombed, i think to distract the main uh, yeah. stormtrooper regiment from what's happening in this place where he's infiltrating and stuff and yeah there's there's some really cool stuff going on there which the developers are trying to sort of integrate into uh this this it's, remake wow. reboots that they're doing in in the unreal engine it looks so um, good
0: and you do all the voices right you've done like every character so far i think
1: not all of them a lot of them right. yeah um, uh, there are female roles like uh Mon and, jan. And, ja- yeah. and jan ors yeah so obviously i'm not i'm not putting on a lady voice for that <laughs> <laughs> my lady voices tend to be just the queen and that's it <laughs> right <yeah. laughs> Yes, one would like to say hello, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but no, I, I can't do a convincing uh, female voice, uh, sadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I've been doing things like uh, Rom Mock, who's like an Imperial commander, and yeah. uh, Kyle Katarn and then the Stormtroopers and Imperial officers and stuff. And it, yeah, that's that's been, again, great fun finding mm. these classic lines from a game i used to play when i was a teenager that's the thing
0: i mean it's it's a game that you have a massive passion for as well and then someone approaches you or did you approach them to just say like guys i want in on this you know
1: i i approached them I, Mm. i i i mean i was a fan anyway because i loved the game as a kid and i was just just like oh wow the idea of being able to play through this is amazing but then as a video game voice actor i contacted them and i was like do you have voices for this i'd love to do this and and actually sent them some audio really quickly yeah just going this I, I is do me this. doing this yeah you know this is me showing you i can do this and they were just like that's perfect we need someone to do that you're Amazing. on you're in you're it you're the guy and i was like okay uh and then they found out i could do more they were like well yeah do you want to do loads of it because I, like, <laughs> I think I all mean, of yeah. their
0: all i think all of their um their footage that they put on so far has had your voice in every single video
1: a lot of it mm. yeah yeah, Some of the yeah. early stuff was um, sort of stock audio of you uh, know, okay. people being stuff, but it's it was, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of building this um, and mm. a lot of the reason I want to get involved is, um, this is Shadow Art Games, I should say. Uh, that's the company doing this uh, and their speed at which they can build models of items and game and things. Not only have they been building all this, they've now started to build uh, VR capability into Dark Forces.
0: Amazing. So
1: not not only are you going to be able to play dark forces in a it, dark forces in a next gen kind of, uh, visual upgrade, mm. but you could also do it in VR using an Oculus Rift or whatever. And incredible, um, being in the game. So I, I've seen uh, they've in the, uh, discord, they, they share a lot of stuff that they don't put out publicly. And sure. the Little video clips of them picking up Imperials and, <laughs> uh, and throwing them around the maps and, and sort of dropping things on them from a height and, Killing them from fall damage, oh, yeah. and I, I, they have said that it's probably going to be allowed, and I haven't seen it yet. Uh, the idea of picking up a mouse droid and knocking out <laughs> an imperial trooper with a mouse droid just that brings me joy.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I, it, it looks like such a lovely passion project because, like, I, I, I know dark like you. I, I think we must be like a similar age because you seem to have a lot of the same taste in games that I did, those, those kind of uh mid early to mid 90s uh dos slash windows 95 games and dark forces like that was the first pc game i bought with my own money um ah. and uh i have such a soft spot for it but watching these guys video the end of the video they're putting out it's so it's it's obviously they've done their own thing and they've added areas and they're not just going to make a straight remake but you can tell yeah. they have such attention to detail and passion for this project it's, it's- amazing
1: They've been trawling through like uh, footage from the films and the new films as well as the old films to kind of get a balance between it. And they've really gone into things like going into some of the more recent games like Jedi Fallen Order and looking at how they've pulled that together and going, great, we can use this kind Mm -hmm. of thing as inspiration here. This is inspiration here. Uh, Rather than just doing, because obviously... Those early uh, first-person shooters like Wolfenstein, Doom, and Dark Forces, obviously derivative from that. Yeah, uh, they were really limited in terms of what they could do, in terms of disk space and yeah, you know what the programs could do. So you've got a lot of things like uh, textures on walls that are repeated. Yeah, so often, so you you know a lot of the places look the same. They don't have that limitation, no. and so why w- why would they limit themselves in that Absolutely. way? Absolutely. Um, they've been doing some live streams on the discord as well, where they are actually building the levels and sharing the screen so people can see how it's done. And it's been amazing seeing how they've been painstakingly doing things like all the wall lights where you have those slats and yeah, the, the lights and they're like putting them in individually so that you've got different lights playing off reflections in the rest of the room as you've got mm. light sources there. And it's like in the original, this room would have been blank, but, we don't just want to have a blank room. It looks yeah. weird. It doesn't look like it, it, rooms have to serve the purpose in real life. So absolutely. they're putting things like pipes coming down from the ceiling into the walls and, you know, like holograms being projected here and video oh, screens incredible. here. And it's like, well, now this looks like a, a livable space. Like there, there's a purpose for this room to be here and it's being used for something whether it's storage or you know data entry or whatever and it's just yeah it's bringing it to life which i really love
0: i'm really excited for it i i play i'm looking forward to playing it at the moment i always play the there's like a mod called dark excel for for dark forces which kind of upgrades it to work a little better with modern systems and whatnot um and kind of has like a few lighting upgrades to the to the, the visuals but it's pretty much stock but i must admit i always find myself skipping Level three, which I goddamn hate. So I'm hoping they fix the the sewer level. If they can fix that, I will eternally be grateful.
1: Well, I think a lot the sewer level again. It's 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 repeating. Yeah, yeah, it's repeated textures and walls, Mm -hmm. and you just it's so easy to get lost in that level. Oh, it's Um, awful. I hate it. it, I mean, sewer levels typically in games tend to get bashed on because they Mm. tend to be a frustration, but especially it just I. Just remember the Dianogas over yeah. and over again.
0: And it's a puzzle level as well. It's not just a sewer level. It's yeah. like a puzzle that you have to figure out. So I remember as a kid spending like forever in that thing.
1: Yeah, um, yeah so frustrating. But that looks like even, such a great... Even once you get past the labyrinth, it's, there's like in, those interlocking circular yep. um, bits <laughs> that you have to... Oh, just that. Such a pain. But, uh, but you got to play
0: yeah. Kar That's amazing. Yeah. That's, was that must well be a dream
1: come true. We We were talking about the... Uh, different versions of Kyle Catan and there's the guy I think it's Jason Court yeah he makes wine Uh, now
0: (laughs) he was was an actor and then just decided to make wine
1: I've had a conversation with him about it oh really? Yeah, we, we were going to set up an interview, but we couldn't find uh, a convenient time. And, and I felt like I was, in fact, bugging, I think you bugging him. So I, I, I left it alone for now. Uh, but yeah, he was a really nice guy. He responded to my emails and we were just emailing back and forth for a while about about what he did. But yeah, he just he kind of did that. And a couple of the little things and he went, no, nah, I don't want to be an actor. And just yeah, went fair off. Fair enough. You know, had a vineyard and apparently makes very nice wine. Mm. Um, but at, so, so does uh, Sam Neill. The actor he he runs oh, really? two paddocks, yeah, two paddocks is his his vineyard, and I've had some of his wine. It was very nice. Oh. <laughs> but I suppose Dan Aykroyd makes vodka, so whatever.
0: Apparently, his apparently Dan Aykroyd's vodka is very good. I've never actually tried oh, it, really? but I, I no, hear I've not good tried things. But um, yeah. So I'm I'm curious. Like uh, obviously, I mean, doing doing like any voice role is probably going to be quite taxing. Some more than others, but certainly when you're doing like audio books and and there's a lot i mean i think you did like alice in wonderland have not you, and things like that i mean that that's quite a lot of uh a, a lot of speaking and talking to do I, i'm curious yeah. like what your your kind of regimen is in terms of voice care and and kind of managing that day to day or whether or whether you just kind of build up a tolerance to it I, I don't know
1: well with audiobooks when i'm producing them myself i tend to kind of um uh pan things out a mm-hmm. little bit and, and take time with it so you, you know you kind of do a chapter a day um yeah and then when you need to give your voice a rest i'll do the editing of the, the what i've recorded up to that point and just say well i've got a voice rest day so it'll be an editing day and i'll just mm-hmm. put on some soft music in the background and that's it I go. yeah uh, uh and and that's that's kind of becomes that fun process but yeah i mean it's things like hydration is a huge element to being a voice actor sure uh, and, Almost anyone who asks me about it, I'm like, hydrate drink every day. <laughs> yeah, And it's not just drinking before you've got to talk, mm. uh, because that only does so much. It's yep. got to be days beforehand where your body is keeping hydrated, uh, because that's what creates all those clicks and pops and smacking mm-hmm. lip sounds and stuff when you're doing, especially on audiobooks where your mouth can get dry. Um, is part of that. It's things like not having uh, too much stuff like dairy, cheese and milk, which mm-hmm. can all that claggy kind of thing in there not too much uh, uh alcohol and coffee which are uh is a diuretic and can yeah. dry you out and de- dehydrate you in that way uh and uh, obviously alcohol can dehydrate you and uh dry, dry out your mouth as well so and Believe me, doing doing an audiobook hungover will is probably the worst experience <laughs> ever. I can um, imagine.
0: Especially if it's quite a happy role or, or, or something like that. I guess if you're playing like a miserable person or a villain or something, you might be able to get away with it. But yeah.
1: beat up a be upbeat and loud and really enthusiastic when you're feeling <laughs> not that. It's yeah. Um, but when you when you get called into a studio to do an audiobook, it's a much more intensive day. So you've got to be much more careful with your voice and Having a steady read where you're not screaming and shouting and you're not whispering because whispering you wouldn't think it but whispering can tire out your voice right uh, and actually talking normally is much more healthy for your voice than whispering because mm. uh, it creates that grating uh, but yeah it's just things like hydrating uh, things like there's a product called Vocal Zone okay. uh, which is used by singers a lot to help with voice recovery um, that's quite useful which is things like that it's sort of peppermint and uh, myrrh and a whole bunch of stuff which is just good for the throat um good old honey and whiskey can sometimes be helpful in an emergency
0: (laughs) in a a, a pinch (laughs) Mm.
1: um but a a lot of those things really are no substitute just for treating your voice with care knowing your range Mm -hmm. uh being able to work within your range uh a lot of people when they first start out voice acting they listen to their own voice, they go, oh, it sounds weird, oh, it sounds strange. Um, yeah. When it's just, your brain needs to get used to what your voice sounds, not within the cavity of your own skull and vibration, um, but actually coming out from a single source. Because when you talk, obviously, it, it bounces across Projection. the walls in the room, and you're hearing it within your own head. Because mm-hmm. um, when you cover your mouth and hum, you can still hear it crystal yep. clear because, well, vibrations in there. Um, so, A lot of what I tell people to do is just record something, anything every day and listen to it. And your brain eventually equates what you're hearing from the speaker and what you're hearing inside your own head. They become the same thing. And that gives you greater control over your own voice. And once you've gotten that control of your own voice, you can be much healthier with how you use it. Yeah. And... Uh, I also tell people to ha- take singing lessons because again that can teach you how to control your own voice and the, the the folds of your 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 voice box and just making sure that you're being healthy about it so yeah it part of its mm-hmm. technique part of its preparation and then part of its recovery and having a balance of all those things and sometimes just taking a day off. Yeah. Just having a qui- a quiet day vocally. Mm-hmm. is uh very useful.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It's funny you should say that. I I always remember uh when I first started in radio, I I I was always like oh, I just wish I could I wish I could do the show without wearing headphones because the just the sound of my own voice to begin with was just like oh, I can't stand it. But it you're right. You you just get used to it to where you hear almost you hear your true voice. Now when I, when you just speak even if you can't hear it through headphones you just hear your yeah. your voice as it comes out you, your brain kind of adjusts
1: another trick is open backed headphones yeah so these these headphones uh I can actually hear through them there's mm-hmm. they're not closed cups so you can hear I can hear my own voice perfectly well and then when I've got edit when I'm doing editing I've got closed back yeah. headphones where I can shut off the world and it's just just what I'm listening to mm-hmm. um, so you can use Techniques like that, and actually, a lot of the recording I do, I do it without headphones because I know the levels, I know the the environment I'm recording in as a producer. I know that all of that is fine, and I know what tone I need to have when doing the audiobooks, um, so I don't need to wear headphones to monitor because yeah. I know what's happening in this scenario. Uh, obviously, in a, somebody else's studios, then I need to monitor what I'm doing to make sure I'm not peaking the audio or you know being so quiet it's not registering. So
0: yeah. So I I was interested. Uh, you you said um, that you were obviously into into music, is, and and you were a singer and and all of that kind of stuff as well. And I knew obviously I knew you did Upshot. You currently do Upshot. Your your band. Your rhythm guitar and uh, I guess backing vocals in that band. Is that right?
1: Elite. Rhythm guitar and lead vocals. I mean, lead band, vocals. Yeah.
0: Wow. Um, yeah. I didn't realize until I went on your website how many other bands and things you've been involved in musically.
1: Um. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, when I was a, a kid, I, I, I played in bands and uh, I was a singer first. And then I started to learn bass initially and then guitar to um, support myself as a singer. So I, I was in lots of little bands when I was a kid. And then I was a solo acoustic singer songwriter for quite a long time uh where i was just writing stuff and finding my feet finding my voice finding mm-hmm. my style uh and i i sort of messed around with a couple of little bands that didn't really go anywhere i was in a band at university and we had fun there uh and then i ended up going right well i want to form a band to play my songs mm-hmm. and i formed a band called welcome back delta and the guys who joined the band were also talented musicians themselves and so rather than just playing my stuff we ended up writing together as a unit that i couldn't call my own yeah. uh so it became a uh, a democracy rather than a, a, <laughs> a dictatorship, as it were. Uh, and it became our band rather than my band uh, and uh, welcome back delta we we played a lot of amazing gigs with and we released a couple of albums worldwide and did some tours of the UK Mm -hmm. and we played with bands like Clutch and Airborne and Hawkwind and all kinds of stuff and played in some major festivals like uh, Grillstock and Amplified and uh, uh, Hard Rock Hell and Giants of Rock and stuff like that and yeah had a great sort of career in that Uh, and then we came to an end where we're all sort of pulling in different directions and wanting different things and uh, uh, so that came to an end, and you know we we played out uh some of our biggest shows and uh a sold out hometown gig, which is always a good feeling awesome and, and just just said you know rather than an, it fading out or it it', it just coming go out to with an a end, bang because, and yeah 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 we we went we went out with a bang rather than a whisper, which made more sense uh and you know we could always come back to it if we ever wanted to, but I formed upshot after that and mm-hmm. um you know, uh, now we're recording our first album with Upshot, and that's going really well. Um, what I also do is because I write a lot in other styles as well. Yeah, I also write music for other people as well. Um, oh, interesting. So- I get paid to write music and sometimes it's just lyrics sometimes it's music it's vocal melodies and sometimes it's the actual chords and, and things as well so yeah I've kind of got a discography where I've written for other bands where I'm not performing it um, but I've just been a co-writer and, and been named on a few albums doing that as well which has been an amazing experience because sometimes it's people like oh, I, you know, it's my boyfriend's birthday and I want to write <laughs> yeah. a song for him. And can you help me out? It's like, yeah, sure. And and, and other times it's, you know, rock bands, funk bands, blues mm. bands. And it means I get to kind of flex my musical muscles, as it were, in a whole bunch of different genres. And again, it's something that's never boring. And uh, yeah, I count it kind of as a, a hobby I get paid to do, which is a, a lovely yeah, so way. it's to, a good hobby. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've ended up with a bit of a, a discography, as it were.
0: Yeah, I was I was surprised at how extensive it was. You know, you go to your your website and it was just scrolling and scrolling. I was like, "Wow, there's like way more here than I thought." Because I kind of assumed uh, that you were like a voice actor, and then you'd recently decided, "Hey, I'm gonna you know start a band and start started Upshot." And I had no idea that you had like this extensive discography behind you. So yeah, uh, it was yeah, I was, quite yeah, I, I, I was a,
1: certainly a, um, a singer first, uh, singer guitarist then as well. Mm. Uh, before a voice actor uh, it's just that music doesn't pay very much mm. these days you know gone yeah. are the days of the, the million pound record deal and things like that. and you know the record deals that do happen in the majority case it's pop you know it's it's i uh, djs or it's uh singers or singer songwriters mm. and and things get sort of manufactured on top of that the uh touring gigging bands even sort of fairly big ones a lot of them still have day jobs because it yeah. just doesn't pay very much um but i could never stop doing it i love being in a band i love playing i love performing and writing and it's it's very close to my heart i kind of feel like music's been there for me at difficult points in my life and sure. so my aim is to create music that hopefully will be there for some people mm. in difficult or or wonderful parts of their lives as well so
0: and when it's live in front of an audience and it's going well, there is no better feeling, really. It's amazing. It's,
1: Yeah, playing live is is an incredible experience. And I've been very, very lucky to play to some very big crowds and have some amazing gigs. And then also play to some really tiny crowds and have some intimate gigs as well, mm-hmm. which have, yeah, different experiences, but both equally as enjoyable. So
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess, like, did you? Well, I guess you started in in film making at a very uh, a very young age as well. Uh, you were you were kind of relating a lot of the the memories I have of of that kind of uh, oh, kids. Kids just don't realize how easy they've got it with video editing these days. It's so much easier. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but obviously, you did quite a few uh, music videos, and you've done some short films as well, uh, which you yeah. produced and edited and filmed.
1: Yeah. So in part of getting involved in film, like I said, I started behind the camera. Mm. So I I'd sort of acquired a lot of knowledge there and uh, I sort of ended up with, uh, because I had friends who did a lot of film stuff and they started doing things. And I was like, and just got swept along with them and enjoyed working with them. And and then also found I'd acquired knowledge whilst working with them and, you know, switching so many hats between, oh, we need somebody behind the camera and then we need somebody doing this and we need somebody doing this. And I was always happy to go, well, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you just, you end up building the knowledge and then then sort of, you know, you you come up with some ideas and start your own film sets and you start doing more of it yourself. And so, yeah, I, I started doing, I've done a lot of short films um, where I, I started doing things like behind the camera and then doing the editing yeah uh, and that's a large part of it is choosing those shots and creating that narrative and directing people uh and so i was starting to do that already and then i just started doing it myself and then music videos kind of came across as a necessity you know being in a band myself sure you're like,
0: like yeah we need a music video i could do that yeah, yeah
1: we need a music video it's like well i i know how to use a camera and i know how to set up a shot well and mm. and and edit it all together so Mm-hmm. why why am i paying somebody else to do it and you know it's sometimes you pay somebody else to do it because it's a lot of work <laughs> it's a lot of work um, but it's a and, lot of
0: fun i i enjoy yeah music, and, music videos
1: I, I, I love doing it and, and and a lot of the music videos i've done have been very uh lo-fi in a lot of ways mm-hmm. which is a lot more fun and it's yeah. you know I've done, I've done a few punk bands like uh tie fighter pilot and uh lesser known character i did uh one of their videos as well and and it was just really good fun. We just came up with a concept together, and you know something that was easy to film, fun to film, something that I was capable of with the equipment that I had. And mm-hmm. then yeah, we just went, shot it, edit it, print away, we go. And yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I I really I think they they still stand up, and we had a lot of fun doing it. And mm. uh, some some of them being punk bands, they're very politically charged as well, which I enjoyed from a personal standpoint as well so. well that
0: always helps for sure if you're you know if it's something you're actually <laughs> into as well um yeah i i really love your um your short uh is it the deacon suite yeah that i think you showed me that when we were filming uh, or you mentioned it to me when we were filming called shot and I, I checked that that's a fantastic short i really enjoyed that one
1: yeah great little horror concept mm. uh i i had done Previous film work with Steve Meller from uh, *Burnt Papyrus*. *Burnt Papyrus* was set up with me and him, and uh, we'd already done like a a a sort of mm. horror fantasy TV pilot, um, which we couldn't get uh, to any studios to pick up to go anywhere. But we enjoyed the pilot and filming that. Um, we knew we had a good working relationship, and and uh, so yeah, we came up with this concept of the Deacon Suite of this nameless horror in this haunted hotel room and um there was a a really lovely hotel in Cheltenham that um was ancient because we have a lot of that stuff around here and pressbury in cheltenham is the i think it's like the second most haunted village in england is it really um, no, i didn't know that yes we've got a lot of ghost local ghost stories and ghost tours and things which is good fun mm. um but uh yeah we knew this hotel room looked amazing because it's got the four poster bed with all the you know velvet curtains it's got a, a it's a, a fantastic
0: um, uh well i guess it's not a set but it, it made for a fantastic set
1: yeah well we had that was one of the things that was scary about filming there because this room was expensive right Uh, we were very lucky that the owner was a fan of film and a fan of horror film and he was like yeah like i've got nobody booked in on these days Amazing. go ahead you can as long as we don't get a booking you can film in there where you're like fantastic and it's got like a gramophone in it and things like that. it's just like this is bonkers and then the bathroom is really strange because it's very modern and it's got the right. waterfall tap and things but yeah we we, we set up for, to film in this place and we come up with the concept and gotten everything ready and i was producing it so it's like getting all the props the costumes and you know me and steve uh cast it together and I'm still in touch with the lead actress Georgie she was absolutely incredible uh, and such a lovely person to work with and I've just actually been working with her again recently on another project which is fun um, and uh, yeah we just put all this together we got a, 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 a we hired in a director of photography um, just to take that job out of our hands because we were already doing so much because I was doing a lot of the production element of it and me and steve were both doing the lighting steve was doing the the direction he'd done a lot of the dialogue elements for the script Mm uh where i'd sort of come up with the overarching story and he actually put it into as a writer put it into a script as well and uh yeah so we had enough on our plate to not worry not want to worry about directing uh, the, the photography elements of it um but uh yeah the challenges on script were immense because we had this concept of Uh, Georgie's character walking Around set, being on the phone Being distracted and not noticing The drips of blood From the ceiling that were sort of like following her footsteps as she walks around the place, you know, dropping on the clothes she'd laid out to wear for work in the morning, dropping in the cup of tea she'd just prepared and been distracted and not looking at, and she just stirs it without looking at it and drinks the blood in the tea, and, you know, going into the shower and it dripping on her back and her just washing it off without noticing it, and Mm. then you're lying on the bed, still in her towel and then it dripping on her face, and that's the reveal, and and that, that was just really, really good fun but obviously we've got this caro syrup uh, corn syrup blood <laughs> and you can't drop that on a two thousand pound sofa i i would be terrified yeah yeah you can't, you <laughs> can't literally we can't, we've got this horrible viscous staining liquid and it's like we want we need to drip it everywhere and not actually have it hit anywhere that's yeah. gonna cost us thousands of pounds because we don't have no. thousands of pounds. This is such a small budget, I and and this money.
0: this hotel owner is doing you a massive, massive solid by letting you film there in the first place. You don't yeah. want to upset
1: them, yeah. So we we were doing things like um, we'll a, a waterfall something. sink where the tap comes into the sink is like it's like an open channel, mm-hmm. and we were just like, oh, brilliant! We weren't expecting to have something like this, and it meant that we could drip blood into this channel in this waterfall sink uh for the tap to make it look like the tap starts running with blood as the water comes out and it was just like oh this is just you know you you can plan as much as you want for a shoot like this but then when you get there you suddenly realize that actually this shot doesn't work we need to shoot it from over here instead Mm. Um, or or there's
0: this opportunity that's just you know presented itself
1: exactly so it it, that that kind of stuff was a a great experience and it that 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 short film uh quality wise turned out really really well we're really pleased with it and
0: really is incredible and and the 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 set certainly helps but the 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 production quality in general is is fantastic it's really really good
1: we even had fun um uh, i i don't know how many people notice it but the credits as the credits roll the credits start to go on a dutch angle Ever so slightly, they just gradually turn as do you the know, credits roll. I, I
0: hadn't noticed that. I'm gonna have It'd to rewatch really it to fun notice little,
1: That little little touch that we we had on that, which is good fun, because I mean, we the amount of times we go, oh yeah, uh, let's do another Dutch angle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's a fantastic uh, it's a fantastic video. It's it's still on YouTube, isn't it? I think it's burnt papyrus. Is yeah. it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the production company that mm-hmm. we set up and had. With and uh now uh steve doesn't do as much film work but instead he streams he does okay various games and minecraft and stuff like that and streams and he belongs to like a collective of streamers on on twitch and stuff so he he does that and i've gone off doing music videos and messing around with
0: (laughs) yeah no it's really really cool so i guess like I guess all of that kind of brings me on to Analine City, which uh is your uh your audio series or starting as an audio series. Um and I'm really curious where you where you came up with the concept for Aniline City and, and you know, where did this whole idea come from?
1: So, uh I mean I I'd always been trying to write stuff in fiction. Yeah. When I was younger, obviously working in film and stuff and trying to like find the, the jobs that I enjoy and having fun with it. And like I say, coming up with concepts for mm. horror shorts and things like that. And I, I just, I enjoy the process of coming up with ideas for story more than the nitty grittiest script writing. It's not yeah. something I, I that comes naturally to me. It's something I'm still working on. Um, but I'd come up with this outline for a a, a a story about a serial killer in an American city. And I've always been a fan of noir yeah. uh, uh both classic noir and neo noir storytelling anyway with things i'm mean, neo noir being stuff like sin city and yeah. classic noir being things like uh humphrey bogart and uh sam spade and stuff mm-hmm. like that which uh, is is where a lot of that comes from um so i came up with a story uh must be oh, uh, definitely over 10 years ago Oh, like, what
0: really that long um, oh ago
1: yeah, I didn't didn't realize how long it had been until my 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 partner Sarah, um, she was saying, "No, no, you've been you've been talking about this since we've been together." I was like, "Oh, it wow. oh, really was that long ago," uh, and a, a lot of it came uh, from playing a game called Condemned. Yes, Criminal great games. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I loved the atmosphere and feel of that game, and also games like uh, Max Payne, mm-hmm. which again is a neo noir kind of Very, setting. Yeah, uh, you've got that internal monologue. Being spoken out loud in the game for the listener or yeah. player, um, and so I took a lot of license from that with the original story that I'd start to put together about this serial killer that leads leaves um, playing cards at the scene of the crime to number their kills as they're working their way towards their uh, their king or their ace, if you like, you know, their, yeah. their final kill. Um, which again, I watch a lot of stuff like Criminal Minds and CSI and all Mm -hmm. those kind of like cheesy uh, programs, but they do kind of give you some insight uh, as to how serial killers tend to have like either an ideal kill or an ideal victim in mind when they and as they get closer they tend to devolve and Mm. things get out of hand as it goes to it so i'd I'd written all of that into the story and all of those sort of little tidbits of real life knowledge that they have put into this fiction it meant that i could also take those real life lessons and put them into my fiction as well um and yeah it just sort of grew it was things like okay i want to do this but i can't set it in an existing city Mm -hmm. um because that Again, that puts ring fence. That that puts a a fence around your your storytelling. You, it has to be accurate to the city. But then I also thought if you set it in a real city and you have those uh, sort of fences which you're within, mm. also the chances of somebody going, "Hey, that's that's my city. How dare you?" <laughs> it's not that. You know? bad. What are you it's, talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like uh, so. You know, setting it in a fictional city was important, and uh, a lot of the neo-noir influences are things like chicago detroit new york so yeah. I, I wanted to kind of put all of those together into something and uh come up with a city around that kind of area and i was looking uh near devil's lake um uh, and uh i was looking for uh things to call the city uh and you know mm-hmm. this sort of mid middle city or you know <laughs> capital city and you know a lot of these sort of stereotypical nondescript American city names have been used in fiction before. Sure, Yeah. So I was looking for something else and I came across, um, the idea of, uh, the uniforms that would have been used in the, uh, civil war. So sort of the Confederacy and, and, you know, the union, uh, Uniforms themselves would have been tanned leather and dyed cloth. Mm -hmm. And in tanning and dyeing, uh, aniline as a chemical would have been used a lot in that kind of process. So I had this idea then this concept of an American city that used to be filled with tanning and dyeing places. And that's how the industry grew in that area and became a a small town that grew into a large town that grew Mm -hmm. into a city. And then Aniline has also been used in medical use as well back in the day, not so much these days. Um, So I had this idea of, well, what if the medical pharmaceutical companies caught wind of that now? And so Aniline being used for medical use and this is where fiction takes over as they <laughs> found a new use for aniline chemicals. And mm-hmm. uh, so aniline derivative pharmaceuticals and big pharma is, you know, big in America anyway. So yeah, And that then creates this rich, poor divide of these poor people who were originally tanning and dyeing factories, which was a really smelly, dirty business in industrial business. And then these big pharmaceutical companies creating this, well, what are they doing here? And And you've got this... All the new builds in the city are being built for these corporate, for the, yeah. you know, high owners, and all of these, mm. you know, families who have been here for generations are all in poverty and destitute, can't get this new housing. And that unfair rich poor divide then creates a breeding ground for desperation and crime. So, you know, it's that kind of perfect boiling pot. So, Aniline City became the, uh, the name of the city where I could set this story, and it meant that it had a history, kind of like if you've ever seen uh, Kingdom Hospital. Yeah. Um, Which was an old black and white thing that got remade as a a, with uh, Stephen King uh, as this beautiful sort of uh, slightly horror, slightly supernatural thriller series set Mm -hmm. in a very strange hospital on unsettled ground. And the hospital was built on the grounds of uh, an old tanning and dying right Facility, so i could take some influence from there as well and uh and that helped with that that sort of scenario so yeah i just started writing this and as i started writing this i i I don't have the writing chops uh to put this together fully certainly my writing's come a long way but i i'm not confident enough to go yeah i can write a six-part series that's fine Mm -hmm. um so i ended up hiring on writers who i'd worked with previously and obviously i'd Filmed with you doing cold shots. Yes, and yeah. Knew you were a writer anyway, mm. so I hired you on. And yeah, most uh, most wrote...
0: appreciate. I really really enjoyed writing <laughs> for it as well. It's been fun. I, I,
1: I knew my friend uh, P.J. Montgomery. Mm. I'd worked with him actually on Supermarket Matters, which was my first big voice acting role, as I said before. Uh, and his writing was incredible. He also knew Matt Troy as a writer. I knew Matt Troy creatively uh, from uh, things like stuff that. PJ Montgomery had been involved in anyway sure uh and PJ vouched for him and so I gave him one of the scripts to work on as well and then uh Danielle Laid I would worked with uh her partner uh doing stuff when we were younger and in, in acting and uh, and things and I I knew she had chops in writing as well so I gave her one of the scripts as well so I suddenly had four writers to do the middle four scripts and I could do the writing of the first and last one which gave the bookends to the story yeah uh, and then uh, PJ edited my scripts as well so that I had a, a more practiced hand cleaning up my writing as it were yeah <laughs> making it more palatable making the, the dialogue seem more natural and have more of a flow to it so mm. and yeah the, the scripts kind of came together and 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 it, I mean lockdown was hitting at this point and it was like I've got this project, why don't I do something with it? I've produced film projects, so why not produce an audio project? Especially as a voice actor, it, yeah. it would give me a job a, a job role. I can give myself a role in it and I can have a voice acting credit, but it also means I can create credits for everybody else who's mm. kind of slightly stifled and creatively shut down by by a lockdown during uh the COVID nineteen scenario. Yeah.
0: So Yeah, I mean I I had a film the film scripted and ready to go and no way i could possibly shoot it so i was like yep this sounds great and uh, it was really really fun to write something very different from what i usually write um Mm. but what amazed me i i i think is is just how like you've got like a really nice deep lore to aniline city already like you knew where everything was and you were like you know here's the industrial quarter and here's the lake there's like the aniline city lake and you know it it was all kind of uh set up and you you gave quite a lot of material as well and and reference material to be like you know it was very easy to write because i immediately was i could picture it in my head by the time we talked and i'd seen the reference material i was like i can see this city in my head this is you know this is great
1: well that that that's one of the beauties of having so much time to conceptualize all of this for this project it was like it's something that i'd had sort of sketched out and then you know over time you go through revision and revision and you start thinking about well if i want to have a chase i need a a long straight road here and if i want if i want to have uh, somebody chasing a, a an ambulance and not know where it's gone. Okay, well then there's more than one hospital in the city as well because they could have gone to one or the other, and so you don't know which way they've gone. And yeah, uh, if I'm placing it within this area within this state in America where there is no so no city currently, um, it's gonna need access to water facilities and plumbing facilities. Well, how does that happen? And you, you know, if, if we have things like a a major serial killer event in the city i only want a certain amount of police officers to be involved it's like okay well in that case they don't have access to an adjacent city's facilities um there's only so many roads in and out of the city it's also things like because i want it to be an analogy of new york chicago and detroit okay there's three roads that lead out of this city yeah one in the direction of new york one in the direction of chicago (laughs) one in the direction of detroit yeah and so it's like right okay well why aren't there any other roads? Okay, well there's mountains here. This is in a, a sure. bowl. It's in a, and it's it just sort of all these things start to come together. The the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I rationalised this stuff, mm. um which I guess comes from things like doing playing games like Dungeons and Dragons. That, and yeah, DMing the, the would write, definitely help. <laughs> yeah, writes those campaigns, but it even stretches further back than that where you know, as a child, my, my, my dad would tell me and my brother stories, but it would be something he'd come up with on the fly. Mm. And so sometimes he'd ask us, you know, where does this come from? And and we'd also play, uh, you know, as we got older, we'd play games like, you know, the idea of 20 questions, but instead that, you know, that there's a body on the ground, ask me questions, and I'll tell you what I can see. And it's like, figure out how that, figure out how that person, person died. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, what's around them? And, you know, are there any visible like wounds? It's like playing a
0: text adventure, but in real life. That's great.
1: Exactly that. Exactly that. You know, there's, there's no wounds on the body. Okay, well, uh, you know, what's the cause of death? Well, how, you figure it out. How have you done that? Well, okay, well, you know, did they die of running out of air or or did they die is it a needle pinprick that we can't see no there's Mm. no wounds on the body and okay did they die because they they were burned to death no the skin's intact there's no wounds okay cool Uh, and you know you eventually find that they died because they froze to death and i was like well, why did they freeze to death what else is in the room well there's there's other bodies in the room. There's other bodies in the room. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't ask the yeah, right they're, questions. <laughs> they're, they're, they're hung up. There's hung up bodies in the room. Yeah. They're, they're missing their heads. Oh, my God. This is a horrific crime <laughs> scene. It's like, oh, they're human bodies. No, they're not human bodies. Oh, oh, okay. And, and you know, it turns out it's a meat locker. And uh-huh. the guy trapped himself inside his own meat locker and just froze to death because he was a butcher. And it's mm. like, oh, okay, well, this makes sense now. But, you know, you've got to ask the right questions to fill in that space and mm. see see that scene when you can't see it at all and it's uh so playing games like that as a kid you know it sets up that imagination and storytelling and yeah uh gets you thinking that way i guess um yeah for me anyway. it really does
0: feel like a, a a a wonderfully kind of fleshed out world that you've you've created um and i, I don't know how much you want to talk about in terms of the story because i don't want to obviously spoil anything
1: but i but i don't I, I don't want to spoil the story of the actual of the 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 six part episode of the serial killer and no we're following that because uh you know that's the the whole thing behind that but but certainly yeah as as a world for Analine city we're telling a six part story of a serial killer but my aim is to tell more stories within yes. that city with different mediums uh and so i've got an yeah, outline of a filming script uh, for a uh, a video project, and then uh, I've got another outline for which a writer is working on at the moment for another one shot audio. that isn't a multi parter um, to record as well, provided the six parter goes well. <laughs> well, it
0: you know from from everything I've seen so far, it's 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 going to be something pretty special. Um, I was uh, yeah, I I was blown away by uh, the the cast you know the, the the people that you had auditioning for this was amazing
1: yeah we, we were really lucky like uh, to i was so worried that we were only going to get like 50 to 100 people auditioning mm-hmm. and that that we would have to just pick people from that Make and do yeah yeah and and see what what happened but we ended up getting over a, I think it was over 1,250 auditions. It was yeah. it was a, such a huge amount. And I didn't expect that at all. I think partially because I think it was well planned out. Mm-hmm. We had a really good synopsis as to what was going on. Thankfully, due to the writing staff, the characters were much more fleshed out and had much more going on with them. And Because and, uh, I, I tried to give yourself and the other writers a lot of free reign to within this world yeah this is where we need to go with it but other than that make the story your own yeah yeah, Uh, i think you
0: pretty much did i mean you pretty much gave me the 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 overall aim of the episode that i was writing but within that yeah i had a lot of freedom yeah
1: yeah and it it meant that we we ended up with a much more rich world because of that Mm. um which i am eternally grateful for um but it meant that when people were looking at the project they're like okay well this this already has because we created things like little bits of viral content and little snippets of video to flesh out the world and um and it meant that people coming to audition go well they've already created something yeah they've already started this process so this isn't a flash in the pan oh it's a project this is gonna happen yeah absolutely yeah that's the idea behind it so so a lot of people got involved and yeah we got really lucky that some incredible actors uh auditioned for it. and i like the entire cast is fantastic incredible yeah I, I i'm still there's a couple of little bits i'm i i i i'm having meetings with actors in order mm-hmm. to them for them to record the, it's just a line here and a line here to tie sure. things up and finish off with the edit. Um, But everything's coming together incredibly and everybody's bouncing off of each other. And I honestly think we got some incredible performances where actors were bouncing off each other and it changed the way scenes panned out because of the energy they brought to it. It's wonderful
0: when that happens in in, in the right way. You know, it's just like this is unexpected in the best possible way.
1: Yeah, it's part of that that creative magic i think mm. that when things like that happen and you just go there was no way we could plan for this or 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 think it would happen and it just happened so yeah looking forward to hopefully finishing that off and putting it out soon <laughs> yeah. uh it's it's one of those things where it's uh always takes longer than you think it does
0: yeah because you're you're currently in in the kind of post-production kind of well i suppose you're not i suppose you've still got a few bits but you're you're pretty much into post-production though, right
1: yeah, all the key dialogue from all the main characters are all done. Um, mm. It's just the occasional pickup lines, and there's a couple of characters just where there's a couple of voice actors that weren't free yeah. at the times yeah. where I wanted to do things. And so, yeah, it's just putting things together. And I, I'm putting together soft edits so that those actors have something to act to, yeah, um, rather than just... Yeah, because you don't want voices where you've got two people talking who have never actually talked and, to each and other. It and it sounds like... Yeah, yeah. So having one person's side of things and the other acting being able to hear that and and then talk talk back to them creates much more of a dialogue and things. So it's just things like that, which at the moment, which I had to take a, a, sh- a, sh- a sh- an editing break because I I broke my arm on a film set. Oh no! So, <laughs> which I can tell you about that if you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. I I,
0: I know you you'd broken your arm. I didn't know you did it on a film set though. So what happened? Yeah. Uh,
1: so uh, I was filming. Um, for a film which i i can talk about a bit now which is called the fence um which was a short that got several million views on youtube um and it's all set in bristol right uh and it's about um back in the 80s uh, a young guy gets his motorcycle that he's just bought stolen and so he goes around to all the uh pawnbrokers the fences in the area yeah and the local Crime gangs and stuff oh, to kind fence. of find. I, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm who, with you. <laughs> who nicked my motorcycle? I want it back. Um, hmm. And they, you know, it got such uh, notoriety that they then got funding to make a feature film out of it. And oh, um, awesome.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, it's got some some actors from British TV, and uh, there's a Game of Thrones actor in there, and, Very and cool. things, which is really good fun. Wow. Uh, it's a guy who plays uh, Lancel Lannister. In, okay. in game of thrones uh a guy called eugene and he's mm-hmm. such a lovely person and we, we got to hang out and set and shoot a scene together which was really good fun um and i play a very very tiny role of a uh a hefty bloke who is uh owing money to gangs and basically i go on screen i get chased i get beaten up and then i get told to bugger off what right. people have business to do and so i i leave and that's mm-hmm. that's pretty much it the, the, the sum of my role is blubbing like an idiot uh getting beaten up and threatened and then leaving <laughs> yeah uh, but it was a really great set like the, the production crew were incredible and you know everything about it was was really awesome to be a part of yeah um but on the day before we even started doing wardrobe or you know filming anything we were just shown the set and were told the main beats of what we were doing. So blocking the scene effectively. And this is, this is before we even run through stunt stuff. And it's like, well, you got to run from here to there and then over to there to this car. And then you get beaten up. And, uh, and as part of this, I'm, when I'm coming towards this car, I get um, shoved towards the car and go off balance. Right. uh, To then, to then get beaten up. Mm -hmm. And so we were just blocking out and just, running in this car park and uh i'm running towards the car looking back over my shoulder you know to to see the guy behind me and the and the pacing of of where we're going to get shoved here and i hit a patch of gravel
0: and my foot just
1: slid out underneath me and it meant that i landed arms out but twisted so one arm in front of the other and so all my weight went down on one arm and you know Cut! Cut! My hands open on the gravel on the floor, and uh, and I was like, "Oh, that's a nasty sprain." Mm, and then, and, like four uh, days later, you're like, "Oh, actually." Mm. Yeah on, on on set, I I started to realize it was going a bit numb, and I was losing oh. um, the ability to straighten or bend my arm.
0: Yeah, and I was
1: like, "Oh, that's a really bad sprain." And the 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 first aiders on set were incredible. Mm-hmm. They patched me up. Uh, they looked after me, and you know we went through all the paperwork for it. I was very embarrassed, but they were very lovely and said, don't be embarrassed. You know, accidents. happen." Yeah, yeah
0: these things happen. Sure.
1: They were extremely professional and looked mm. after me very, very well. Uh, and they looked at it and they go, we don't think it's broken. We think it's just a nasty sprain. Do you want to call it a day and go to the hospital? I was like, no, you know, all these people are here. All these they've had to because it's set in the 80s, so they've got all these beautiful oh, goodness, 80s yeah. cars. They had these um Ford Escort Mark ones oh, and Mark twos and things like that. It was beautiful. Um, but I was like, I don't want to like you know ruin a day's shoot, no, um, due to an injury. And my, my part of the shooting is only short, you know, my part's going to be done today, so yeah. putting off to another day, you know, it's going to ruin the sequence of things. So I'm like, you know, yeah, it hurts, but. We'll I just be careful careful, and... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we did the whole day of shooting, and it was I agony. Can but imagine. We, we got it done. We got it done, and, w- and we did really well. And I was really pleased with how it all ended up. And uh, and uh, at the end of the day, it was all really stiff, really painful. I was like, okay, no way. I'm going to go home and rest. So I went yeah. home rest, and rested, and I I put a little uh, like a belt around my wrist and around my neck so I could keep it like this the whole time. Yeah, and I was like. Oh, it's a sprain. Just rest it. You know, ice it. Yeah.
0: Take
1: take take some ibuprofen or whatever, and it'll be fine. And then it was a, I think it was a day or two later. My partner Sarah saw me from behind and saw the back of my arm, like up here. Oh no! And it was black and purple oh. and green, and it was
0: you dark. Can... And Oof. she was just
1: like what is that? And I, I then I had, cause I'd kept it like this. You just hadn't seen lift, it. Yeah. I lifted up and it was from here all the way down oh, here. Oh my God. This, this colored. And she was like, you're going to hospital. Man. Yep. That's a uh, so like, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I went to the hospital. They, 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 uh, uh, x-rayed it, and They were like, yeah, you, 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 you've, you've broken your arm. Oh, no. I was like, oh, well, that's why that hurts so much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that explains why it. <laughs> um, so yeah, they 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 looked after me. Thankfully, didn't need it to be put in plaster cast or anything. It was just in a sling, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they gave me all all the good painkillers, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's now thankfully all healed up and sorted now.
0: Yeah, wow. <laughs> I, yeah, I like I said, I knew you'd uh, I knew you'd broken your arm. I didn't know you did it on
1: a film set. So that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, is that uh... a, you? You could kind of say I did it doing a stunt, but not eh, quite. Kind of. I mean, you know. <laughs> Just blocking out a stunt before yeah. we even got to the stunt. Yeah. So any any
0: idea when that's gonna be released? Is
1: that? Uh they're currently they currently have a Kickstarter um just to get the last bit mm-hmm. of fun- funding for the final edit and music, which is a hard part of it as well, licensing music. Uh, to put in the film and obviously set in the 80s they want to get some classic 80s bangers Um, (laughs) but that comes with a price tag so they're they're seeing what they can get that way in order to finish the edits and get it out there and hopefully a UK cinema release which would be awesome yeah that would be be great first time seeing my face in cinema which would be amazing that would be incredible
0: so uh well speaking of cinema before you go I mean you (laughs) You you started off this uh, this this podcast telling me that you'd you'd gone to the, gone to the cinema. Uh I, I'm really curious. Um I haven't seen it. I have heard some horror stories about it, but um I'm curious what, what did you make of uh Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City?
1: Uh so Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City uh is a brand new thing. They yeah. are ignoring both the Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson movies, I think, originally. Milo Uh, Yodelovitch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And they're ignoring the uh, animated movies, and they're ignoring the games. So it's a fresh retelling. And it's a retelling of both the first Resident Evil game and the second Resident Evil game at the same time. That is ambitious. (laughs) But, But they've done that by simplifying things. Sure. Hugely. And changing some details yeah um so you've got uh mm-hmm. claire redfield coming to Raccoon city and encountering leon kennedy the rookie yeah mm-hmm. which is resident evil 2 and she's looking for her brother chris redfield and then you've got chris redfield and jill valentine and wesker and uh bravo team of stars going to the arkley mountain manor to investigate something that is occurring out there i think they say it's like a mangled body or something yeah and so you've got these two things happening at once Um, so they happen simultaneously in the movie yes right um so and and that kind of is is a neat way of having that there are parts that can come together in the end kind of thing um which is kind of basically what happens in the movies, but. To a lesser extent, you know. It, yeah. Uh, so it, that's what happens in the game. Sorry, uh, but to a lesser extent, it, in Resident Evil Two, Claire doesn't actually find Chris. So, no. uh, but they do in the in this in this version. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, Resident Evil so, Two, uh,
0: Two and Three kind of happen next to each other, not one and two in, in the games, because like yeah, Two is set three, after three One. Three um, is ignored.
1: Ne- Nemesis is ignored, and right. there's you know there's no Mister X, and they don't mess with those elements okay um they just go yeah this is a corporate town and stuff occurs and you know the zombies get released whatever Mm -hmm. um you've got umbrella at the exit to the cities uh barring anyone trying to leave yeah and the plot occurs um now i'm gonna attempt to obviously that's slightly in the realm of potential spoilers if nobody wants spoilers then then skip ahead slightly (laughs) but um i i'll I'll try not to go too heavy on spoilers what i they changed characters you've got um chris redfield who is your typical jock meathead kind of guy and and that you know that that is the same as that kind of follows yeah that's mine um they made albert wesker a carbon copy like it, it, he is exactly the same he is also another military meathead yeah. uh, the other guys in in the team are also muscled meatheads and they don't look that mm-hmm. dissimilar to each other so th- in order to separate leon out from those guys they made him very different okay uh and unfortunately they made him a just somebody who makes a lot of mistakes. Okay, because
0: uh, he's kind of he's a rookie in in Resident Evil Two, but he's pretty capable.
1: Yeah, but also he's he's an eager young rookie yes, who has yes. you know aspirations of being a good cop. Yeah. Whereas the Leon in this one is the the first time you see him, he is hungover, getting out of bed, drinking a beer before going on the job. Oh you no, know, that's like... the opposite of Leon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying not to use. See, I can imagine, Bad like, language. am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, you swear as much as you want. Oh, okay, they make him a fuck up. Yeah, that's they make him an an absolute, you know, he's oh been given god. this job in a, in a dead end town because he's a fuck up. I always he's got the like, impression, yeah, you should go be rookie over here because you're terrible. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, oh my
0: god, I always got the impression that Leon. Was pretty much the fan favorite of all characters, so I would have thought of all the ones you're going to change. Like, don't do that. Yeah, like, I could imagine but, Barry being hungover, you know, maybe having a couple of beers before he starts his day. But yeah, but Barry's not, Leon. not even in it. So <gasps> no Barry. Oh man. Yeah,
1: no, no, no Barry Burton. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they, they made Leon Kennedy this this kind of this bit Damn. of a jackass, really, and, and he he has no idea what's going on in throughout the entire movie. He's he's like the fuck is this what the fuck is that oh, you know it's no. just like so it's kind of it doesn't ruin that character but it just makes that character very different yeah uh and it's i, I feel like they've done that to differentiate him from the rest of the meathead jocks that are in the re- sure. of the rest of the male cast um which is weird mm, um yeah. i think they did a great job with claire Claire's oh that's Scolodero, scoladero i don't know how to pronounce her surname uh but she's fantastic casting i thought mm. I, I actually liked a lot of the cast i think they all did a great job jill ballantyne is brilliant um they've made her one of the guys in the team which works yeah. well as that dynamic it's a much better version of the character than you get in the original <laughs> game Certainly which the original, is yeah fa- famously badly acted um <laughs> but yeah they just made that character uh, uh, like fit in that squad it makes sure. sense that she's there with the rest of them and
0: yeah it made her she more whatever. more like Jill from later games than than she was in the first one
1: kind of yeah um, you know they, they 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 i mean in the trailer you even see that somebody one of the people succumbing to the disease writes itchy tasty on i a window saw that
0: and it's like guys that that was you know it, that was in a diary excerpt it's way more corny if you go and write it on a mirror
1: but but i mean the film's full of stuff like that where mm-hmm. you go like somebody gets handed some keys at one point and it's like a diamond key and a, <sighs> a, a club key and things like that and they don't explain it and it kind of doesn't need to no, uh, no. but it's you know fans of the game go oh yeah i know that Oh, yeah, I know that. Oh, yeah, I know that. And there's lots of those little moments of, oh, yeah, um, where if you're a fan of the games, there's loads of stuff to keep you going. Huh, that's cool. Uh-huh. Um, And if you're not a fan of the games, it's not too jarring. Sure. Like you can kind of forgive it. Um, mm-hmm. I would say if you don't know the games, it's just a cheesy zombie movie. Sure. Um, And if you're a fan of the games, there's enough fan service and fun stuff in there that it's fun.
0: I mean, but, I think, I think, yeah, it's a difficult line, isn't it? Because I think films do, you know, you're, you're adapting uh, a video game, a beloved property, but at the same time, it does need to be accessible to people who have never played the game before. So, you yeah. know, it, it's a difficult situation.
1: So they, they simplify a whole bunch of stuff. Like the Arkley Manning, you don't see a lot of it. They just right. kind of, there's, there's a whole bunch of dark corridors and slowly opened doors and there's a library <laughs> and stuff. But then they quickly go into like medical lab facilities. Oh, okay. Um, right. Uh underneath raccoon which is all internet interconnected. Um hmm. So yeah, it's fun, it's forgettable, but it, it you know, it could have been worse. However, <laughs> the last 15 minutes. Oh boy. It's like they got bored and they just go. <laughs> he just gave That'll up. That'll do. Oh let's, no. just, let's just let's just give the rest of this dialogue for the last fifteen minutes. Let's give it to the Saturday boy, who's just turned up, oh, uh, and, and just suddenly all the dialogue becomes like the dialogue from the earlier films, just the cheesiest, worst lines, <laughs> uh, and kind of kind of was a bit jarring towards the end, and also most of the effects uh are reasonably um practical oh that's cool throughout, throughout most of the film and then again the last 15 minutes heavy cgi oh, and right. it's not the most just jarring high budget cgi it's it could be worse but mm-hmm. it's it also could have been a lot better and and so yeah it kind of doesn't stick the landing you know it doesn't doesn't quite get away with it being uh, and i was left going it was a film. Yeah. I, I must <laughs> admit, I,
0: I, I saw the trailer and, and I thought, Oh, it kind of, on the one hand, it looks awful, but on the other hand, I can really see what they're trying to do. And they're, they're, they're really, it looked like there was a lot of passion in, in the trailer. You know, you're like, these are fans of the games for sure. I can see there's like direct shots from, uh, from, from, uh, from each game that I can, I can kind of see, um, hmm you know you have that that classic zombie munching turning around shot that's that's in the original uh
1: fmv yeah you can you can tell that they have definitely played yeah. the first two games and knew it well mm-hmm. in terms of being able to shoot it and direct yeah. it and write it in that way um so yeah I, I, it does feel like a such a love letter and i would actually say there is some decent jump Scares. that's good i mean you're, your you're reviews were positive I, I than was, i expected that, so that i was i was taken by surprise by some of the stuff where you know it's the something's coming towards you and you expect it to, to lunge at you but instead clever girl comes across from one side nice. and blindsides you and it's like i was like oh that was good and and there's there's, there's some creepy children content which you know as soon as you start making children creepy are i'm like always okay, the creepiest. i'm scared yep that's that's always i, I agree like make kids creepy i'm instantly uh you
0: know yeah absolutely
1: so yeah you know i i, I don't even know what i would rate it maybe maybe like a maybe like the uh, the dreaded nail in the coffin that is the 7 out of 10 review <laughs> well that i mean that's still higher than i'd put
0: a lot of the uh you know the the previous resident evil movies certainly the latter oh, but, the latter ones
1: there, there is a a view of the previous uh, series of movies mm-hmm. which i love um which is the fact that paul ws anderson filmed a series of resident evil movies yes and his wife milia is the lead character yeah oh yeah 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 the entire series is paul ws anderson going look how beautiful my oh, wife oh he is. loves his wife like he, he loves... loves his wife so much and like... he basically wrote an entire series of films about Resident Evil to show off how gorgeous his wife is and how awesome she is. And he
0: succeeds
1: in that. Yeah, and he does. And and it's just like, what else are we going to do? let's put other cool people in the film with my gorgeous wife. And if you view it from that lens, those films are so much fun because you can tell they had fun on set. You're right, man. Paul is literally filming these films going... (laughs) my wife's beautiful like you can see every shot is like how can i show her to be the most gorgeous person and to look cool and to have fun and it's just like if you view it through that lens those films are great because you can tell how much she cares
0: you're absolutely right like paul paul ws anderson and rob zombie are like two directors you cannot deny that really love their wives like a hundred percent um yeah that, that, that's cool, man. I'm I'm glad you had a good time with it. I, I've been really curious about this one. I, I've heard some like massively negative reviews, um, and then some reasonably yeah. positive, and I, I'm i I'm kind of curious, um, you know.
1: It I, it does sit in the middle. Like mm-hmm. like I say, it doesn't stick the landing. It ends up in being in in not good cheese fest by the right. end. But the cheese fest throughout most of it is enjoyable. I yeah, had okay. fun with it. Um but I will say I went in with a very low bar of yeah,
0: that the the trailers didn't do me uh, much favours, I don't think. But
1: No, and, and I mean video game films are still where comic book films were Absolutely twenty, 20 plus years ago. Yep. You know, where, where the filmmakers aren't creating serious good films that happen to be video games or in this case, happen to be comic book films. Like, we now have a great renaissance of comic book films where they're it took good a long films, that yeah. happen to be comic book films. And, and that's what we, I hope, will eventually get with, with video game films. I'm hoping things like the upcoming Last of Us TV series yep. will show people this is how it's done. Mm. Because you've got Neil Druckmann, who directed the game, being like... involved. In the series and and i hope things like that will make a difference i mean things like
0: the the uh i mean not not necessarily live action but like the animated castlevania series was tremendous incredible Um, yeah so i I kind of feel like we are turning a corner you know we're getting there we're getting there but you're right It's in in its infancy right now
1: i I did even feel like the uh alicia vakanda tomb raider I had loads of problems, but it was it wasn't that bad. No, I enjoyed I... it. I had fun with it. I must admit it, it, it's got it's got some super cheese moments yeah. that make me cringe. So it's not perfect by a long stretch, but there was some really good moments of it where there's, there's some parts where it takes itself seriously and does a good job with it's, it it's a weird
0: and... movie because it kind of tries it, it seems like it was like we're gonna do like the game did where it was like we're gonna do a more realistic take on tomb raider the movie was like we're gonna do a more realistic movie of tomb raider but then it yeah. goes ridiculous in places and it, it, that contrast is really odd but i i mean i've only seen it the once but i remember it being okay i, I was entertained yeah. by tomb raider
1: yeah yeah uh, uh, an example I give from, from video game movies is that you've got the, the two schools of thought, which irritate me. So do you remember the Doom movie with Carl <laughs> Urban? I do, indeed. My my biggest problem with the Doom movie is it's two films being filmed at the same time. Yes. You've got Carl Urban and Rosamund Pike who are doing a serious science fiction horror movie. Yeah. And they are doing their best to elevate that script. They really are. Really gritty. (laughs) You then have the rock and friends (laughs) who are in a comedy sci-fi romp Mm. and they are stomping all over everything. And these two things are so jarring because they're going on at the same time. Yeah,
0: you're absolutely right. Often
1: in the same shot. Mm. (laughs) It's just like, what the hell's going on? And it you know, it, it it doesn't work. And I think if you are either Put yourself full into that crazy romp of silliness. It can be fun in the right thing, if it if the if the uh, IP works in that context. Yes. Or if you put yourself in that, taking things seriously and making it real and relatable, and it the rules making sense within that world. I think you can create something really awesome. And I'm just kind of waiting for somebody to do yeah. something in that way. Like, I, I was just playing through the uh, Redux version of uh, Alan Wake recently.
0: Oh, dude, I haven't played the Redux, but I love the, the the original Alan Wake was a great game.
1: Yeah, the Redux, I mean, it's it's a beautiful lick of paint on what mm-hmm. is already a great game. That's all there, you want, some, really. Yeah, there's some clunky controls in there from where it was an earlier game, and yeah. and, and it's still a little bit clunky. But they just didn't touch it, and I yeah. I, I, resp- I it doesn't need touching to me. Uh, but I was... Reminded whilst playing it how much of it is actually filmed content. Yeah. And it has that sort of Twin Peaks-esque feel to it. I love Twin Peaks. Yeah. That creepy uh, uh, sort of essence to it. And the filmed content still obviously works now with upgraded graphics even more so yeah um i was like this this would work as a series this would work as a film i mean it, it, you play it like it's a tv series yeah you reach the end of chapter one and and credits roll for chapter one yeah and there's music over the credits just like you would have if you're watching a tv series and, and I, I love like... uh when you start the game it does
0: the recap stuff it's like previously on alan wake and go... yeah i love exactly it's that. great
1: yeah I and mean, yeah it gives you that that feeling of a uh, of of like twin peaks or kingdom hospital or whatever where you've got that, those creepy supernatural vibes and it and it works um and I was just like this is so close to already being a good video game tv series it, yeah like you'd have to f- film a few extra scenes with all the the footage that already exists and it's done and it's done yeah you're um, there yeah <laughs> um but if they could do that then then I think it's Possible to film a good film that's game related or a good TV series that's game related. And mm. I'm just kind of like chomping at the bit for it to be done. <laughs> I agree. There there's so much scope.
0: There's so many stories, great stories in video games, going right back to, you know, the 80s, 90s. Um, you know, some some fantastic epic stories that, that have been told that, you know, the right director, the right crew, the right writers. It could happen
1: yeah and the difficulty is as well you're you're competing with a medium where rather than sitting back and watching yeah um you are literally playing it so the stakes are higher because you're invested you've put time into this character and effort into this character so when the mistakes happen that's on you and you feel it whereas tv and film you're removed you're passively watching it Mm. so for them to get it right they really need to drill down to an audience and capture them in that way a because the gaming community will want that real passion and grit and everything in there to be right because they've already seen it done so well yeah but also because the non-gaming community don't have that love for it already they're not already on yeah side. They, they don't have that reverence for the source material yeah yeah so so you need you're kind of serving two masters and it's very difficult to do that
0: mm, yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely check out Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, it was kind of on my list anyway. As as a you know, I'll I'll get to it for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious. Your 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 reviews kind of piqued my interest.
1: Got the original Resident Evils back there as well, by the way. <laughs>
0: Excellent. I I don't have them on. Uh... Oh, you've got them on big box PC. Lovely. Yeah, I've yeah. got them on uh, on the the PS One. I don't have them on uh, on PC. But uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I I it's nice. It's so nice to see some uh, big box PC games you know <laughs>
1: yeah i got a little, little little collection back there of some mm. of my favorite ones and but uh, yeah when you watch uh, welcome to racking city i would love to hear your thoughts on I
0: it. i will absolutely give it to you um oh before you go is it is it too soon is it too cheeky to ask when are we likely to ballpark here Analine city is it is it kind of
1: i mean i was hoping to get it out sometime before christmas but the likelihood that's of that, that's two weeks away <laughs> that, yeah that is that is slim now um just because i mean it, the dialogue is the thing that, that's taken yeah. longer and uh that's what i have got to finish off then i mean i've already got a lot of the sound effects sourced but Great. we've got to put them in the scene yeah mixed all of that the sound effects and the the vocals and then there is the music that's going to be going with it as well which will take a while to compose so i'm hoping february but that might be optimistic awesome. um, well you know qu- so.
0: quarter 1 let's call it quarter 1 <laughs> <laughs> 2022 go, yeah. <laughs> well i'm i'm thoroughly looking forward to it and thank you for for you know uh you know bringing me in on the project it was absolutely uh, a, oh. a joy to write it was great
1: um, it's been my, my my pleasure my honor like you've oh. been an incredible person to work with um on multiple occasions now yeah well hopefully more to with, come <laughs> with, with with cold with cold shots and but also yep. City, so I, I i i love working with you it's good
0: yeah time. man and, and right back at you it's uh, it's been it's been a blast and hopefully more to come uh, in the near future is there anything you'd like to plug before uh before we go i know you've got upshot gigs coming up right for one thing.
1: Uh yeah, Upshot. We've we're finishing off the Upshot album, which should hopefully come out quarter one next year as well. <laughs> uh uh I am I'm also working on some other little music projects to put out before then. Um obviously voice acting. I'm I've got a lot of irons and fires there, but I'm kind of under under NDA for a lot of them, so I can't yep. talk about them. But you can find me on social medias uh if you look for JD Kelly voice actor uh Analine city you can find on Instagram and on our website analine.city Um but yeah I'm I'm on most social- you type in a lot of the projects that we've talked about, things like Deacon Suite, but Barnes yeah. and everything else. You- and and obviously things like cold shot and stuff you can you can find I will, stuff. Uh, more, I'll we've, put we've links in about. the
0: description to all of those things. Um, and I might even put the. I, I think I'll put the, uh, the the teaser to Aniline City at the end of this because I really love that music. The 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 person you got to do that music, oh, it's some good sure, stuff.
1: yeah, Alex uh, uh, arpe- Arpeggio Creative. Like, mm. He's such an incredible composer. Um, it's and perfect. He's doing, he, he's doing the. Um, sound mixing for the effects and the, oh, the voices as well uh and he'll be composing the rest of the music as well so yeah a, a lot of his uh handiwork on there is uh, incredible and he plays drums in upshot as well so. oh fantastic i didn't know that that's, that's
0: great <laughs> <laughs> well joe thank you for coming on man this has been a blast we'll have to do it again in the near future yeah thanks for having me yeah, yeah. thanks for listening everybody and we'll catch you next time